Welcome to Coffee with Jamie, a show about how to get unstuck from some of life's stickiest stuff, like burnout, divorce, loss, and more. Here is your host, Jamie Finney. Hello there. (laughs) Welcome and thank you for joining me. This is Coffee with Jamie, a show about getting unstuck. And I'm your host, Jamie Finney. So uh, today is episode 10 and I want to talk about time. Uh, We're diving into several questions received from listeners just like you, or maybe actually from you. Uh, But uh, some of the most frequent questions I've been getting are about time. Um, in a variety of ways. So we'll we'll get to that. But before we dig into the time talk, let's talk coffee for a minute. I have to share sort of a weird one with you today because um, I bought an Americano at Dutch Brothers drive through last night around 7 p.m., um, taking Zia to her bass lesson. And I, I ended up drinking very little of it. I, I ended up leaving it on the kitchen counter. And like, I don't use cream or sugar or anything. I'm kind of a black coffee kind of girl. But like, I, I basically, I, I left it on the counter. I rediscovered it this morning completely full. <laughs> and I reheated it for about 30 seconds in the microwave this morning. So yeah, <laughs> so I don't know what that sounds like, but basically this means it's it's in a cup made of recycled paper. It comes with no memories. I have no mug memory to share today, except maybe the one that I've now made for you every time you drive by a Dutch Brothers drive-through coffee. <laughs> You'll think, oh, remember that time Jamie drank her leftover coffee in the morning and shared that with us on the show. It's uh, I, I don't know what you might think about that, but like always, I just want to keep things real with you. And that's uh, that kind of real. It very much encapsulates the wild couple of weeks I've had. So I don't know. How are you doing? <laughs> All right. So so last week we had a pause week where um, we rebroadcast episode nine last week because I had some very last minute work travel that came up. And um, man, some ups had some downs. The ups were great. The uh, work travel took me to Chicago, which is one of my most favorite cities in the whole entire world. Um, Ken and I actually almost, we almost bought a house there in November of last year, but we ended up backing out after the inspection. I've done a blog post on that for the curious. You can always find that on Coffee with Jamie. Um, But yeah, we... um, the, the good sides. So the good sides of the last couple of weeks, I did, while I was out in Chicago, get to spend some time with Ken's sister, Angela, her significant other, Josh, and their adorable baby, my newest niece, Coco. Her full name is Colette, but I love that she goes by Coco. She's super cute. And man, I haven't seen a baby in a really long time. So that was pretty awesome. And I got to, you know, I got to meet this baby and she's my my new niece. And that was really awesome. And then earlier this week, you know, after my return to Las Vegas, my sister made a brief visit to Las Vegas as well. Um, my daughters and I got to hang a little bit with her and her two boys, Liam and Aiden. So the family side of things has just been like on point. <laughs> it's really good, really awesome stuff there. Um, 
I do want to spend a little more time writing out the work side of things from the last couple of weeks because I feel like there's a lot to share, but I want to write it out before I just dive into it on my very first live show back uh, with everyone because I want to make sure that I'm capturing the right spirit and that, you know, I'm still in progress on a few things there. I like to have that tied up with a little bow before unfolding the whole thing here. But let's um, let's do two things. Let's dig into today's listener questions because I had more than one and I'm very excited about that. And then two, if there's time toward the end of this episode to crack into some of the work things, I'll lay a little foundation and then we'll actually use that material for the final two episodes of season one. We're on episode 10 today. We'll have two more. I know initially we talked about 13 episodes, but we're going to wrap it up at episode 12 this season because I have had a couple um, missed days, one for technical reasons, one for personal reasons. And so we're going to bring it in for a landing at episode 12 this season. So yeah, that sounds super fun. <laughs> All right, so so here's a funny thing um, about these episodes. So you know, this whole thing doing these live shows has been very much kind of a, a live experiment in progress for me. Um, I have been a co-host on podcasts before. I've been a guest a host or just a guest on many podcasts. Uh, and so doing my own thing is has always been something that I, I wanted to do. And this opportunity through Voice America came up and I thought, wow, what a great you know thing to just kind of learn out loud with you all. That's so much my philosophy. So, um, but a funny thing has happened, you know, like a learning experience. And, and I'll say, so for like at least three or four weeks, when I go through my live notes before I'm live, I always go through my notes and I time it out to make sure that I'm coming close to like on point, right? Each show is around 56 minutes long. So it's my job when you have a live time slot to fill that slot, right? You can't come in short. You can't go way over. You got to land it right around that time frame. You got a little wiggle room, but not much. And so I'll I'll time it. Like let's go back like 4 weeks. I time it out. I come in right around the 56 mark. And then when I go live, I must get really excited and talk extra fast because I was coming in like 5 or 10 minutes short of time. So I'm like, you know, right in the middle of a live talking to you all. And I run out of my notes. Like I reach the end of my notes and I'm like, "Uh oh, in my mind, I don't say it out loud to you. But I figure since this is a learning out loud process, I want to share this with you because, you know, I think sometimes we work so hard to come off polished and to make sure everything we put out into the world is very polished and finished and, and well thought. And I do try to do that. I think there's extraordinary value in that. But I also find extraordinary value in letting go of that polish sometimes in order to learn if it puts you out there um, and, and, and you learn something from it. So that's very much what this podcast has been for me. And doing it live, it forces me to show up every week and it forces me to come up, you know, to show up with approximately 56 to 60 minutes of, of material every single week. And so um, 
like, I feel good about it. And then I, I, I've shown up. And like I was saying, like four weeks ago, I have the material, I'm ready. I show up, I do it live. And then I'm anywhere from 10 to five to 10 minutes short. And so I'm trying to like tease it out live. And I always feel like I come across very rambly in those moments. So if you are a listener and you've noticed those moments, like, wow, she's really going off on a tangent here. That's the truth behind why. (laughs) So now you have insight into how that works. So, you know, what happens is I try to learn from that, right? And so the next week I write longer content. And so I'll time it out before I go live and it'll run longer. It'll say like 60 minutes or 65 minutes. And I think, all right, I've got it this time. I'm a little long. I can trim here or here if I need to. And then I go live and I come in short again. And this has happened like four weeks in a row for me. So it's just like, wow, no matter, like every week I, I tack on like another thousand words of content in my written notes and I'm still coming in a little short. So I really went overboard this time and I, I took multiple questions from our listeners. And so I figure what I'm going to do is I'm going to answer those questions Um, and I have a few, but if I run short on time, then I have the lead in for, (laughs) for the next two weeks, which I hope to kind of lay a a little foundation for, but if we don't have time, then we just save it for the next two episodes. So this again is a little bit of learning out loud, but I, I like to do that. I like to, um, be an example of that sort of thing, because I think learning out loud is just as important as putting out completely polished material. I think it's an important part of growing and pushing yourself. And I don't know, different folks learn and do in different ways. And this is a way to get me doing. Um, I like to do and be an example of doing and get out of my own way. And so that's that. So, all right. So for questions from our listeners today, I'm going to leave off all the names Um, for the questions that came in just to keep things simple. But time was really um, a common theme in the questions I received. And it kind of covers the gamut a little bit from um, folks have heard me mention that I wake up in the four o'clock hour. So we, we cover a little gamut there. And then it reaches all the way back to some stuff we've talked out about before with not having time or how we spend our time. So let's start with some of the ones. Um, The first question is, Jamie, could you share your reason behind waking up at 4.30 a.m.? So yeah, yeah, absolutely I can. And thank you for the question. So a handful of years back, I want to say it was around like late October, early November of 2014. And I actually went back through my notes, you know, a few days ago to kind of make sure my, my, Time frame was relevant because it, I feel like it is actually important. It was this long ago. So I'm based in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm the Pacific time zone here. Um, but I had three back to back speaking engagements that had me in Florida, then Ireland, then Boston. So, like East Coast, UK, East Coast, right? So, somewhere along the way in that travel, we also had the fallback an hour time change. And so ever since that 
window of time, my body clock just decided for me that it was waking up without an alarm sometime between 4 and 4.30 a.m. Pacific time. So at first, usually when something like that would happen, you get like reacclimated to a different time zone because you're in it for however long or for whatever reason. Well, my body had kind of reacclimated to an East Coast time zone. So instead of trying to force myself back into a Pacific time zone schedule, I just decided to roll with it. And, um, you know, right after that was when I decided to kick off that December um, daily writing challenge called 31 Days, 31 People. And, and every post was started at 4.30 a.m. So I had, you know, I'd put that out there. At the time, I think my household didn't really begin stirring until about 6.30 a.m. So the time window just ended up being perfect. Um, When I was doing that, I was actively documenting things that stopped me, which falls right under our step three of confess and address, right? And time was one of my biggest barriers. And so it felt like this sort of magical gift from the universe where I, you know, I'd really been struggling with time and and finding more time or making more time, as I prefer to say. And I, I wanted to write more. I found myself wanting to do all these things. I found myself saying, I want to write more. I want to figure out how to make YouTube channel, even if it isn't pretty. I want to do this. I want to do that, blah, blah, blah. And, but like many of us, life gets in the way. And I kept trying to find all the reasons why I couldn't do the things that I wanted to do. And then this whole, you know, time being a major one that I I kept coming back to as my excuse. And then my whole body clock shifted. And so I seized that moment and, and I've been running with that ever since. So um, when it happened, I wasn't sure how long it would last, but we're looking at just about eight years now. And that was why I felt it was important to go back and look at the calendar. When did that happen? Because I know I documented it. Um, and and so I found it and it was, yeah, early, um, early November, late October in 2014, right around when the time change happens and that happened. So it's really interesting. So you know, eight years in, um, I do have days where I'll sleep till five or six, even seven if I'm really feeling off. But mostly I'm still waking up somewhere in the four o'clock hour. I design my routines. Um, A lot has changed since those early days. Like my family is like more of my family is awake now um, before 630. So I don't have like this two hours of you know, golden silence like I did. We have more pets now. We um, These aren't like the quiet hours anymore like they were early on. So now quiet hours happen more by chance. And like, I have to really focus on, on making those happen. Um, it's not so much like it used to be, but um, anyway, so that's, you know, that is um, to answer that question. Could you share your reason behind waking up at 4.30 AM? My reason was really that my body decided for me. It was like, uh, it was, I really look at that as a gift. And so it, it happened and my body said, Hey, you're waking up now. So, you know, seize the day. <laughs> so, so I did anyway. Um, the next question I got was if you're waking up at 4 30 AM, what time are you going to bed? And I think often, you know, there's a, a misconception maybe that when you wake up early, you don't sleep a lot, like you don't get a lot of sleep. But I believe heartily 
in getting plenty of sleep. So that's a thing that my body also decided to pretty much put the smack down on for me, right? It was like, hey, um, you're getting older, you need sleep. So yes, as I mentioned before, there are nights of sleep sleeplessness that happen here and there, but I value and require a good deal of sleep to function at my best. And I think most people do, um, but everyone's everyone's like sleep requirements and awake hour requirements are different. So like for me, it was all about kind of listening to what my body says. There are days when it needs more sleep, but typically, um, you know, what time am I going to bed? Typically by around 9 p.m. There are days when I, I fall asleep later when I'm worried about something or if I I don't feel like I'm right on point with my live Wednesday morning talk show. I might be late, you know, extra late um, on a Tuesday night as <laughs> going to bed, you know, I might be up till 11 or 12. Anyway, so like later when I'm worried about something or if I've got something on my mind, um, but slightly earlier, there are times when, man, I, I barely make it to 8.30 or, or 8. I have like, I've got to go lie down and get some rest. I'm so exhausted. And so, you know, I try, I guess to answer that question, what time am I going to bed on average around 9 PM? But really the answer is that I listen to my body. You know, it's, it's whatever's going on. Um, and when I'm able to do that, I feel like I get pretty quality sleep. I'm also deaf in one ear. So if I put my good ear down, I don't hear a lot. <laughs> so, so yeah, so there's that too. I, which I, you know, is not necessarily a gift per se. It does suck not being able to hear out of both ears, but at the same time, when trying to sleep, it actually, um, it adds a nice element of silence that allows me to sleep pretty well most of the time. So, all right. So here was a funny email that I got about waking up early. It says, why do people who wake up early always brag about waking up early? <laughs> Oh my goodness, this one this one made me laugh out loud because I, I really hope that that's not how I'm representing um, waking up at 4.30. And like, I can't speak for anyone but myself, but I think, like, I believe I mentioned waking up at 4.30 in the exact same way as I would if I woke at 6 a.m. or 10 a.m. or 2 p.m. or whatever. Like, it's really... For me personally, I don't mean it as a boastful thing in any way. Like I have farmer's hours. Like it's just something my body more or less decided for me. Um, some people are night owls. I I was a night owl before this whole shift happened. And um, and I, I have talked about that in previous episodes as well. It was kind of just like it just happened. And so I decided to roll with it. But it, it is funny, like maybe, um, you know, again, I can't really speak for anyone else, but if it feels like a brag or, or whatever, um, I don't know. I, I can't, I guess I'm going to be a little more mindful of how I deliver that. I think just having, you know, sometimes people ask questions and you really, um, you ponder it. You go, Whoa, do I sound that way? Am I coming off that way? So thank you for that question. And I will be really thoughtful about how I deliver 
um, the 4.30 a.m. wake up. But for what it's worth, I, I certainly don't mean it to be braggy in any way. It's just really like that's my reality, right? Like I wake up at 4.30, but I go to bed super early. So I, I think it's we have, you know, we do what's best for our bodies. Um, Ken, my husband, he's awake. Like he, I would say he's more on the un- insomnia side of things. So he falls asleep sometimes at like two o'clock in the afternoon, he'll fall asleep for a couple of hours. And then sometimes he'll fall asleep around 8 30 PM or whatever. And, you know, only for a couple hours. So he sleeps in like um, appetizer sized naps, you know, and I don't know. I mean, he seems to function pretty well. I don't think that's his preferred method of sleeping, but he kind of just does what his body says. Here's, here's how it's going down. You know. All right. All right. So that one, um, that one is kind of the last on the waking um, time zone, the, the four o'clock hour thing. And my next question that I received, it says, I've read and heard your advice on making time, but what if I really don't have time and don't was emphasized in all caps and bold. Um, so like, what if I really don't have time? So this question makes me smile. Um, and and here's why like i don't know the intricacies of your individual situation but we're all working with different puzzle pieces right in life um blanket advice it can be a challenge for this exact reason because it's it's kind of generic but i can tell you that in every coaching engagement that i ever had where the phrase i don't have time has come up i've been able to work collaboratively with that person to work through and squash that thinking over time. But it does take time and it takes practice. So we've definitely covered some ground in this area on previous episodes, but I want to extract a few things that maybe I haven't covered or maybe recap them in a slightly different way Because sometimes, you know, different messages hit us in different ways at different times. And so here are a few tips that might help in terms of like, if you really don't have time, um, let's hit prioritization. Um, Number one, I'm going to go through three things here first, and then we'll have a few more. But the, the first one is like thinking about prioritization. You've all heard me talk about the compass of intention, which is episode one, what's important. And, you know, I think even if you don't get to making that list, um, like I walk you through, through in episode one, if you don't even get to that point yet where you're feeling like I've got my list that I can reference over and over, you still have what's important. Like that's something you can surface in your mind. What is important to you? What is the most important thing to you right now? This is what we have to not lose sight of. And and for me, like, you know, going back in time and kind of reading through a lot of my early material as I was working through that exact problem, I don't have time. I noted that my priorities, so even though I'd made this list, sometimes I would move my list. My list has seven items on it. Even though like once in a while I would move things around by priority on that list, they always kind of remain the same, right? Like my my list is always the same, but my priorities, you know, number one 
might be number seven next month. Okay. So like no matter how often it changes though, all the actions that I do support this list. And so, you know, it's, it's managing the goals and the, um, the context of address and confess. So we have big bulky desires, which is you use the goals that you have to support your compass of intention. And that's how you solve the problem ultimately of making enough time. It's about prioritizing time. Time becomes a priority. Um, One of my items on my compass of intention is about making more space in my life. And, you know, to me, that is about owning my time, not allowing someone else to dictate every pocket of time that I have in my life and not letting other things own my time. I own my time. I am accountable for my time and building space into my life has been a priority for a long time. And there are just like sleep, just like the sleep thing. There are times when I get overwhelmed. I get really busy. I don't have a lot of time, but when it happens now, I'm very like acutely aware of it. Whereas earlier in my process, like, you know, back in 2014, when I first started going through these things, it was more of an overwhelm. It was just that I couldn't figure out why I didn't have time to do stuff. But the more focus and the more priority I put on understanding, where I was spending my time, how I was spending my time and how to make more of it, the more I got a handle on it. And so it was about prioritization for me. So prioritization, I think is key. That's, that's one. Um, Number two, and I say this like seriously, seriously examine why you don't have time. Um, Touched on this in, in the previous response, but like it's that address and confess, confess and address, right? This is chapter three, <laughs> episode three, if you need more. Um, the most challenging time of my life that I can recall was becoming a single parent, like a single mother to a four-year-old and a seven-month-old while working full-time at a new job with a one-hour commute each way after closing the doors on a company I loved. Now, I think you know the pandemic opened a few more challenges with um, Zia, which I have talked about with my kids, my family, stuff like that. But prior to that, it was really that that moment in my life, right? Emotionally, I was a wreck. Time-wise, I was overwhelmed. I wanted to make a great impression at my new job. I needed to be there for my young kids. And I had no family near that could help. Um, so the first thing that got lost in the shuffle for me was my health. That was the thing that I deprioritized because I felt short on time. I don't have time to exercise or whatever. So prior to this moment, and I was doing like grab and go food, you know, it was like pop tarts or drive through food, um, convenient food. And, and so my health just really started to suffer. But prior to that moment, I had been super active, a quite healthy person. Um, And so at first, all my life goings on were really legit reason. But after a while, I realized that I I was leveraging what was once a reason as an excuse for a very prolonged period of time. I got sucked in by it. And it took me five years to kind of acknowledge and, and put my health back into my priority list. 
Um, and even sometimes when you know you've got this list of what's important, which I mentioned for me is seven things. Sometimes those things at the bottom of the list, like items number five and six and seven, sometimes they fall off priority, right? Like they're the lower priority. So other things get stacked in front of them, like making time. And yeah, it's it's really kind of a juggling act. It's moving puzzle pieces around and trying to fit them together. So it, it took me five years to realize how important my health is for me to hold my stuff together and four years to see that I had a, a, I turned this legit reason from one chapter into my, of my life into an excuse that infiltrated years of my life. And so once I realized that I actually have more control than I had ever acknowledged, and I started moving those puzzle pieces around in order to figure out ways to change my reality um, in a way that prioritized my health if that meant making more money to afford a babysitter so I could fit out a workout in, or you know, somebody to come sit at my house with my kids for 30 minutes, I tackled it. And you know, if if it meant only working out at home for five minutes every day until I could figure something else out, that was how I tackled it. And so I tried dozens of different things until I found things that worked. And sometimes those things are short-lived. Sometimes they only last a week or two um, or a day or two. And then you have to move those puzzle pieces around again and try to find other ways to make things work. But once I found a rhythm, I was able to move my health out. Um, you know, I found a rhythm with health in the priority number one spot. And, and, and then I was able to work it into a routine and, and a habit. Like it became a daily habit. So you move it into the priority until it becomes something that you do without thinking about, and then you can kind of deprioritize it and move other things into that list, right? But it starts with really examining why you don't have time. What is stopping you? Because life drops tons of bombs, right? Life drops bombs on us. And, it, and you know, we have Oh boy, jam-packed but beautifully bland, planned days can get shot off the rails at 6 a.m., like immediately, first thing in the morning. Um, days where there's no hope of getting to the list of to-dos that you had planned. And you know, if you've if you've got a method in place that guides you, prioritizing starts to become second nature for you. And that's why I like, you know, I really rely on lists, lists and list making. Um, so days when there's no hope of getting to those to-dos. If you've got a method in place, prioritization starts to become a second nature sort of thing. And then, you know, evaluating what is important right now. I'm a very like linear thinker when it comes to stuff like that. Like today, for example, um, you know, it started with waking up at 4.50 a.m., then making sure Zia was up and getting ready for school. She's got a 5.30 a.m. bus and I get a lot of questions about that 5.30 a.m. bus. What kind of school has a 5.30 a.m. bus? So quick derail to address that. Zia goes to a magnet school for the arts. We are about a 45-minute bus ride from that school. And their school, the magnet program, starts an hour before regular school. So it starts at 7 a.m., meaning she has to be there by 6.45. So the the hour-long bus ride, has them there around 6.30. They're able to get school breakfast, have a little socialization, you know, do some things before 
um, their 7 a.m. class starts. Sometimes the bus runs late too, so they're butting right up against seven um, when they arrive. So that's that's the reason for that. So as soon as I get back on Wednesday, which is today right now, um, I prepare for this live show. Um, yes, I've prepared for it in advance, but nerves get the better of me. And I like to just be working on it and focused on it right after this show happens. Um, I have a bunch of other things going on, right? Like I, I need, Sophia's got her second driver's ed in car session. So we'll get her out the door for that. Then I need to return a rental car from my sister's visit. And then I'm actually driving my sister to the airport. I'll pick her up from her hotel in my car, drive her and her boys to the airport. Then I need to go to our shop. Then, I, you know, so I have the day kind of sequenced out, but earlier this morning, Ken asked me about something that needs to happen later in the day. In the day and I almost don't know how to answer. I'm like, I'm not on that step yet. I have to wait. My sequence of events has to unfold one action at a time. And I know that about myself. So I'm like, I will respond as soon as I can respond, but I've got to get through one, two, and three first. So that for me is how I kind of navigate. I, I sequence things in order of most urgent. I knock them out and and then I get to um, and then I get to what's next. So um, always evaluating what is important right now, always asking yourself, does this does this action support my what's important? If yes, how quickly can I get it done? If no, how quickly can I get it off my plate? And then um, note that by getting it off your plate, I do mean buying time to do it later. Um, or I do not mean that. I don't mean buying time to do it later. It, it, you know, I guess there's a beautiful art of procrastination there, but I mean clearing it from your list of future tasks altogether. So like I am a procrastinator by nature. So I've learned over time to not be hard on myself about procrastination, but rather to embrace it, to understand that's a part of my nature and how to leverage it in a way that works to my advantage. Um, so, and, and often what that means is like, I need to not put things off. I need to actually clear it from my list altogether. And so that it's not something that I can push off over and over and over again. So that's a cycle that really does take practice. But once you get into the swing of it, things start falling into place more gracefully. And then when that life does knock you on your butt, you're, a, you're more equipped to get up and, and keep going. So you know, that whole Rocky thing, right? It's not how hard you get hit, but how hard you can get hit and keep going. <laughs> that's, that's how you deal with what happens to you. Um, all right. So I want to um, elaborate a little bit more on the time thing, right? So it, to add on to the piece, the, like there's looking at priorities and there's looking at what stops you, but let's dig in a little further at what you really, if you really believe that you don't have time. Like there is just no time to squeeze from my day. Well, like start like logging. And I, I mean, like if you can make little tick boxes or something like, um, you know, at least looking at your day and where you're spending time, like ask yourself, I've got three questions for you to ask yourself. Okay. Number one is, do you spend time on social media at all? Um, if you're a smartphone user, well, I'm not as fam familiar with non-Apple devices. I do know that Apple devices have a, a screen time feature that'll show you your weekly breakout of time spent 
using different apps and screen time overall. And so I know my my own time on social media fluctuates and I've really cut it out of my life a lot. Stepping back from picture this clothing, actually like social, I was on Facebook and Instagram so much for picture this clothing that it was very, very heavy. And once I, I decided last year to step back from that, and not give it as much attention. Yes, we lose followers. Yes, people are less engaged. Does it matter? Not as much as my mental health. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's a question to ask yourself. Do you spend time on social media? If yes, how much time are you spending there? And could you be using that time to accomplish something else? So ask yourself that and be real with yourself, you know, be be real. Because if you're spending time there and you're like, well, you know, yeah, but I need people to know how I'm doing or yeah, but I, this is how I decompress. That's fair, but acknowledge it, account for it and, and be accountable for it. So, you know, like acknowledge it and then say, okay, I acknowledge, like I spend, you know, 30 minutes in the morning looking, scrolling through Facebook or through Twitter or whatever. Um, Maybe it's only you know, two minutes here or two minutes there, but acknowledge it and and make a note of it somewhere. And the more, you know, if you can make that note in like a, a notebook that you carry with you, something that you can look back at, it's going to be a lot more real than if you're just making mental notes. So I want to emphasize that that's a pretty important piece is to try to document it in a place where you can look back. And if you're just using like a screen time feature on your smartphone or something like that, that's fair. That works. So, but look at it, like pay attention to it. All right. And then the next one that I want you to ask yourself is, are you an overthinker? Because I will tell you um, as a fellow overthinker, this can be such a time suck. Um, you know, overthinking, like how much time do you spend telling yourself you don't have time or saying things like, I wish I could do this, but I can't because Um, there are a thousand ways to overthink. Maybe you sit down to write, but you don't know what to write about. You're overthinking that. If you don't, if you get stuck in an, in a, I don't know what to write about, or I want to do a tiny challenges, but I don't know where to start. Like these are things though, that's overthinking. And, um, you know, I go back to Ray Bradbury's little, uh, thing on Zen and the art of writing. Ray Bradbury says like, don't think just do like, just stop thinking, start writing, just do like take, remove the thinking from it and, and just do the action. That sounds a little weird. And you might end up with something that is incoherent and that's okay. Allow yourself time and space to do that. But in the same way that I'm asking you, do you spend time on social media, account for it and be accountable for it? The same thing applies to overthinking. Are you spending too much time thinking about how something needs to get done the lack of why it's not getting done or whatever might be, you know, your overthinking spin. How can you address it, be accountable for it and move past it? It's like, you know what? I'm really overthinking about this. Instead of stopping to tell myself why I can't do it, I'm going to just start doing it or map out ways to get it done. Um, you know, if you can keep a little logbook, I, I think that that really helps. So 
I don't know, track it for a, a special page that make you, maybe you just like, you know, track everything overthinking for a day and then you analyze it at the end of the day. Maybe it's five days, whatever you decide, but yeah, track it, mark it down and, um, and then take it a step further. How long did you spend in overthink mode before you realized it was happening? And then once you realized that it was happening, did you stay in that mode or were you able to shift out of it and move on to something else or move into some sort of action? So those are the questions that I would ask about that. Um, and here's another one. Okay, so this is kind of a big one, but do you give time to relationships or other human beings um, that are more draining than fulfilling? And there, when I was doing uh, one-on-one coaching, there was a, an activity I used to go through where you prioritize people in your life. There are, you know, people that get your time no matter what, like your first tier sort of, right? And then there's your second tier where um, there are people who like friends or family, you, you can always make time for them. You don't charge them for your time. Um, but you know, like it's not, maybe it's not family. It's not like your first tier that people like your inner circle, but the next tier out, right? Like, so they're still friends, still acquaintances, but people who you would give your time to, whether they were paying you or not, like they, they add value to your life. You always get something out of the, I have quite a few people like that in my life who I feel I, I just, I love, we get together once a month for 30 minutes or an hour or whatever. And I always, I feel like it's an exchange. And so, um, you know, I think as long as you're feeling like there's an exchange of energy there, it's not more draining than fulfilling. And there may be, you know, it's like a teeter-totter. Sometimes you're more draining than they are. And sometimes they're a little more draining than you are, but ultimately it sort of balances out. That's like your second tier. And then the third tier is like people who pay you for your time. You give them some priority, but it's a different kind of priority, right? That's like a third tier. Um, fourth tier, it starts to get into like, these are people who maybe you, you need to start ruling out. Like they don't deserve your time and they don't deserve the, the energy that is required to interface with them. And so you need to start actually addressing like, this is someone who takes more than they give. And, and maybe I need to consider ruling these out of my life. And, um, and I think that's where like, I do actually have like a fifth tier where it's like, nope, I don't have time for that anymore. If I've started thinking about this person, I immediately need to shift gears. And, and that I don't put a lot of folks in that category, but if it's really unhealthy or toxic, it, you have to have a space for that, a designation for that. And I certainly do. I certainly do make those sorts of designations in my life about the people that I have in my life. And I think it's really relevant to, to write those things down and to think about it. Like, who do I give my time to? Where am I putting the time? You know, if I, if you're spending a lot of time responding or writing to emails, um, you know, like email is a, is a big time suck for a lot of people as well. And like, for me, I like I like email. I feel more organized in email than like through social media or texting. I feel like I have more control of my time in that way. It's a lot more asynchronous for me. Um, texts always feel more urgent and a little bit like they come at me. <laughs> so 
so yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm showing my age <laughs> with that, but but that's okay, right? Like we we're all at different places, and we have to understand where we're at and how to navigate that in the way that works best for us. And so, you know, I like email, but if I'm spending time in email, like to me, that's somebody who's in my top three tiers, right? Like those are my top three tiers, and and they're there for a reason. And if uh, um, they're not, they they probably get deleted or ignored or whatever, right? Like spam. <laughs> so so I think those are important things to designate and really, really think about. If you haven't asked yourself those last three questions, you know, do you spend time on social media? Are you an overthinker? And do you give time to relationships or other human beings or things that are more draining than fulfilling? I think those are ones that can um, be the most effective in making time that you don't think you have. Those are the places to start. That's where you start finding that time. Um, And like, I'm very, very, very picky about the use of the words, finding time versus making time. I'm always, um, I like the intention of making time. Finding time is like, oh, an accidental discovery. And we do have those sometimes. But for me, when I'm really about owning my time, I make time for certain things. I don't really find a lot of extra time just popping up randomly. Um, I'm very conscious about how I spend my time because time is very expensive. And, you know, it's precious. I think it's one of the most precious things we have is our time and who we give it to, where we spend it. So good questions, right? (laughs) I like those questions. So, okay, this is a little bit of a shift, but it ties back into the time factor. But this question was, what is this tiny challenges thing all about? Now, I, I love that this email came up again in the last week because I love tiny challenges. I think they're a fantastic example of like how to start building things like time into your life. I've used the reference of puzzle pieces many times throughout this episode in particular, but like, think of, um, you know, your life is a lot of puzzle pieces that need to be moved around, turned over, examined, and, 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 you know, fit together or to see where things work and how they work and how they fit together to get a bigger picture put together. I love the puzzle piece analogy for that reason. Um, Tiny challenges, if you have not listened to episodes four and five of this season of Coffee with Jamie, um, I I cover a lot of tiny challenges in a lot more detail. Um, The short version is that tiny challenges are tiny month-long challenges that give you the kick in the pants you need to do more. And um, this was another one of those things that I went back in time and looked through a lot of my my old archives because I wanted to see if I could surface some material of things that I learned while I was in the midst. Like I feel like it's easy to articulate things from hindsight because I've learned those lessons. I've been through those things. And so now, you know, this whole show and my six steps are about the things that I've learned sort of tightly packaged, right? But I I discovered there was a, a, in my very first Tiny Challenges series, it was about gratitude. And I discovered that I had done a blog post 
all the way back in 2014 in my first one. And the title of the post is Three Things I've Learned from This Project, A Midpoint Update. I'm going to read the post to you with the note that this was written years before I formulated the process. Okay. So um, the post reads, on November 30th, 2014, I committed to writing every single day in December between the hours of 4 and 6.30 a.m., one post about a person in my life for whom I am grateful. 31 people over 31 days. The only rule I gave myself was that I had to write something, no minimum or maximum word count. So far, each post has averaged around 375 words and has taken me between 20 and 60 minutes to plot out, write, and post. And that excludes editing. An easy two to three minute read per post for folks interested. Um, And there is, side note, there is a link to this 31-day challenge in the show notes if you're interested in reading those. Okay, the only, back to the the blog post. The only thing pre-planned was a list of about 45 names that I'd put together on November 30th. Each morning, I look at the list, see what my heart feels compelled to write. Some days I write with a huge grin, letting go of audible little giggles as I hash through snippets of my memories. Other days I find myself teary with emotion and a swollen heart recalling every feeling as if the moment were happening again. The project is an exploration of gratitude. Tons of studies have been done on health and psychological benefits of gratitude. I've been doing a lot of research and experimentation on the top on the topic and how it can work to make us better human beings personally and professionally. I'm 16 days in and that's halfway. And the 31 days 31 people project is teaching me some really neat, neat things. Here are the 3 that I'd like to share. 1. Gratitude is both selfish and selfless. It starts the day with the best intention. I simply wanted to express my gratitude for some folks who've made my life better in some way or another. But I've noticed that starting my day with the expression of gratitude not only felt really good, it seems to also surprise and brighten the day of the person that I write about. Seeing and hearing that surprise and delight in turn makes my day even better than it already was. So every single day I follow through on this commitment. My day is starting off on the best possible foot with gratitude. I have noticed that I feel better mentally. I've felt better physically as well. So so much so that I decided on December 1 to fold in one of those 30-day squat challenge things. So my process looks like this. I write first and then I do my little exercises, and then I get on with my normal day. Good stuff. Number two, I can make time to do anything I decide is important enough to give my time to. It's true. I run into excuses and bumps in the road, just like many people. During this project alone, I've been up through several nights with sick kids. I've even been sick myself, couldn't sleep because my mind wouldn't rest, but the days must go on. There's work to do. A home to keep clean, lunches to pack, music lessons to get the kids to, and all sorts of day-to-day things. 
I found this really neat rhythm, not just in this project, but for the last almost two years, a rhythm in owning my time. No excuses. If I really want to do something, I figure out how to do it. I'm dedicated to maintaining this rhythm. It's really important to me. And the third one is I don't want to stop. Feeling good is addictive. Making others feel good is even more addictive. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm going to keep something going beyond this 31-day challenge. I'll change the content a bit, but to kick off the 31 days of January 2015, I'm going to start another 31 days project. I'll announce what it is on January 1st. So I love finding old posts like this because... Um, This is before I even formulated the thing called, I now call tiny challenges. This is, um, this was a post when I just called it, you know, my 31 days project. And eventually it became tiny challenges. And this one was a bigger one. You know, I said it took 20 to 60 minutes to formulate each of these posts. So it was a bigger project than a tiny challenge. But I learned after, you know, three or six months of doing these that sometimes too big was too big and I needed to scale them back. So I don't know. I I am so grateful that I did document things like this along my journey because not only have I forgotten all kinds of things that I had done like that, but rediscovering it reminds me that my my process worked for me all the way back then as it works for me now. And I was still just in it, figuring things out. All right. So I think that's really cool. And that gets us to the part where I I just want to say, if you'd like to reach out to me, um, I would love for you to send me your email, anything you'd like to ask, you know, um, go to the show link on my website, coffeewithjamie.com. Scroll down a bit on that show page. You're going to see a big fat email button. Scroll a little further. You can find my social media links there. However, you are comfortable with reaching out, um, then Choose your choose your method. <laughs> if you write, please let me know in your message if it's okay to share and if it's okay to share your name, how you'd like to be addressed. Social media handle, initials, anonymous, whatever your preference, you let me know and that's how we'll, we'll do it. Um, Coffee with Jamie is a show that is in no way meant to be um, substituted as mental health counseling or any other type of psychotherapy or medical advice. The information that I offer here is it's based on my own life and work experiences. So the purpose is to assist folks in making changes in their lives through supportive guidance and hopefully a bit of inspiration. If you feel like you're in a crisis or you need professional help, please check out the show notes. I've left some information in the show notes just for you. Um, if you would like to support the show by, you know, do so please by sharing, uh, share with a friend, someone you may think can get some value out of it. Um, you know, if you want to listen live each week, every Wednesday at 7 a.m. on the Voice America Network, there's a link directly to that also on the show page of the Coffee with Jamie website, or after the broadcast, you can listen to it. Um, it's always posted wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can search Uh, Coffee with Jamie or Jamie Finney, and you should find the show. And like everything else I just threw at you, there are links for a few podcast apps right there on the show page of Jamie, uh, Coffee with Jamie, J-A-I-M-E-E dot com. So um, yeah, with that, I want to say thank you. Thank you for joining me. Um, Be sure to come back next week for another cup or two. We've got two episodes left in the season. I don't want to miss you. I don't want you to miss me. 
Um, I, I want you to be there and please, you know, reach out, reach out. Um, we're going to continue exploring themes like we did today. Today's theme was time, but things that work very well with my own six-step process for getting unstuck, um, which is, you know, been covered in depth across the whole season. But yeah, and that's it. That's what we're going to do. So thank you again. Have a great week. I'll talk to you later. Thank you for taking the time for Coffee with Jamie. Please join Jamie Finney again next Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time and 7 a.m. Pacific Time for another cup of discussion and wisdom on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll see you then. 